You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Good morning. This is Kurt Sumner, host of NSPS Radio Hour. Thank you for joining us on another Monday morning. They just keep coming every week, Mark. I'm not sure what the deal is, but those Monday mornings just keep coming. I guess that's a good thing. My guest today, by the way, is Mark Sargent. Uh, Mark is from New Hampshire. Um, he has uh, been a long-time participant in NSPS and uh, served in a number of capacities. And, and following up on what we did a couple of weeks ago uh, when I had a couple of the other candidates on for NSPS vice president, we have Mark on with us today. Welcome, Mark. Good morning, Kurt. Thanks for joining me. I'm, I regret to inform the audience, for those who have read our our press um, release about this, Carl Sedebaca is not able to join us today. Carl has some health issues that are preventing him from joining us today and just told me this morning are going to prevent him from continuing to be one of the candidates for the upcoming uh, election of our vice president. So we're sorry that, that Carl won't be able to both join the show or continue to, to run for office. Uh, Mark, I was I was going to say this morning that um, we we had a very wide distribution of candidates this year, um, basically covering the entire country. With Carl being out in Nevada and you up in New Hampshire, and then Lisa in, in Wisconsin and Henry down in Texas, kind of yeah. holding down the fort in the middle of the country. Um, it it was uh, I think I mentioned this. Uh, when the other folks were on the show, it first time in my memory we've ever had this many candidates for vice president, and probably the only time we've ever had more than two. You know, I've been with NSPS a long time also, and uh, I, I think you're correct that way. I, I only remember at the most two, and some years only one. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly true. And, and one of the things that's been so great about this time, and, and even with the three that we have still in, in the contest, it's just really good to have choices for people because regardless of how good a job you do or how dedicated all your leadership is, which I've always found to be the case in NSPS, when we don't have some diversity in candidates, people tend to think that we maybe we're rigging the system, so to speak. But uh, I think you know as well as I do that when that when that is the case, when we only have one candidate, it's, it's because we can only talk one person into doing it. So exactly. But uh, but we are really happy, and and you know one of the things I, I will uh, talk a, a little bit about Carl this morning because he's one of those people that very high intellect, very straightforward in his approach to dealing with issues, and and I've even complimented him a number of times of kind of being the conscience, if you will, because he, uh, he, he presents um, perspectives and uh, brings up issues for discussion that um, are, are protect, perhaps a way to address issues of discussion. Um, I won't say from the outsider's perspective, but from a, from a perspective of perhaps looking at things in a different point of view, which always turns out to be uh, a really important thing that oftentimes hadn't been considered. So um, we will certainly miss Carl today, and, and hopefully he will be able to at least stay with us uh, in participating in other things moving forward. Yeah. Um, you know, my... Uh my, my thoughts go 
go out to Carl and his family, and, and I hope he is doing well. Uh, and you're exactly right about Carl. I mean, Carl never has any qualms about telling it how it is and is not shy and, and letting you know how he feels. And uh, he certainly, uh, we publish a number of his articles in our uh, Lanceveyor newsletter here in New Hampshire, and they're, they're well read and, and uh, well enjoyed by everybody up here. Yeah, it's a, a, a little bit embarrassing sometimes when, when Carl brings an issue to your mind and a perspective on it, and you're thinking, I should have thought of that. <laughs> but Very true. hadn't always done so ahead of time. So, so anyway, we uh, we do wish Carl well and and look forward to seeing him uh, sometime in in the near future. Well, as far as Mark, how about beginning the show with telling people about your background in in surveying uh, and uh, also in NSPS? Sure. Well, I've uh, I've been a licensed land surveyor since um, 1989. I, I took the uh, exam to, to become licensed here in New Hampshire uh, a week after my eldest daughter was born in uh, 1987, so I recall it very well and, and didn't have much time to study for it and actually took, I think, about a year uh, in preparing to uh, just finalize my uh, portfolio and such to get my license. Uh, been in the profession really since uh, I was a kid. My dad was uh, the state forester for the state of New Hampshire and uh, did a little bit of surveying on the side uh, as a forester, just some woodlot stuff. So I remember back in the early 70s working with him, just pulling chain along a stone wall and you know, laying a piece of tape down so he could record every 100 feet. Uh, seems like the surveys took forever. Um, I've been here at uh, the firm I'm with now, Richard Bartlett and Associates, since 1984, uh, shortly after college, and uh, purchased the firm from Richard in uh, 2001, and uh, believe it or not, it was September 12th, 2001, so we all remember September 11th, 2001, so it was really uh, uh, trying times, uh, not just for the country, but in, in, in buying and taking over business with all that going on. Uh, I have... Uh, Seven great people that I work with here. Uh, we are an exclusively land surveying firm. Uh, we do commercial, industrial, municipal work, uh, as well as we service engineering firms and private landowners, a uh, variety of different types of surveys. I've been with the uh, New Hampshire Land Surveyors as a member since college. I was a student member back then, and I've continued my membership. I did serve as the 35th president of the New Hampshire Lancers Association back in 2004. Uh, I am a fellow member of of uh, NS, NHLSA. I've been with NSPS. I think I, I joined in 2000, 99-2000. Uh, served as secretary to the Board of Governors in 2000. Well, in 2013, and then went on to be the chairman of the Board of Governors in 2014, and in part of 2015 when the Board of Governors was uh, dissolved, and so I do have the honor of, of being the last chairman of the Board of Governors. Um, I was awarded the Distinguished Survey Award by the New Hampshire Land Service Association in 2008, and I was elevated to... Uh, a 
fellow member of NSPS in 2013. Served on various committees with NSPS and the New Hampshire Land Surveyors Association. And uh, just felt like I wanted to give a little bit more and, and follow through the chairs of the executive committee. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that um, it, it takes a special individual or a perspective, perhaps is a better word, to, to want to have that kind of leadership, I think. Um, it, it's, it's fun, but it's tough, and there's a lot, of, uh, a lot on your shoulders, really, that I think people don't, oftentimes don't, don't realize when you come to the realization that, that having some pretty major impact on where your national association and your profession really is going to go um, because of all the, the interaction with other organizations and kind of being responsible, if you will, of trying to keep the profession moving forward uh, at a national level, which always has some impact on the on the state and local level as well. And so uh, I think NSPS has been blessed over time to have had uh, just a tremendous number of leaders, uh, not only in its officership, but on its board of directors and its other programs. And I was going to ask you, when you were in school, um, was Bob Moynihan there at that time? He was. Yeah, Bob, uh, actually, when I, uh, my first year of college, I went to, to the University of New Hampshire, and they have uh, both a two-year and a four-year program. And, and my dad, in his infinite wisdom, had told me that, you know, if I wanted to get any place in life, I needed to start out with, uh, at the two-year school, so I did some hands-on training. And then if I felt so motivated to move on to the four-year school, so that's exactly what I did. So when I started college, uh, you know, 1978, uh, I was a freshman at the two-year school, Thompson School of Applied Sciences. That was the first year Bob Monaghan was a professor at the Thompson School. And so I, uh, I took every class that he had to offer uh, in the five years that I, I was on the five-year program at college because I got both an associate's and a bachelor's, but took every program that was offered at, uh, at UNH in surveying actually worked with Bob. I was his uh, teaching assistant for, I think, four out of the five years I was there, uh, participating in his labs, and correcting homeworks, that type of, type of things. Well, and speaking of longevity of service, Bob is certainly a good model to follow. <laughs> There's no question about that. I mean, he's, he's still very active in, in all the things that, or a lot of the things we're doing, particularly CST, uh, just just a stellar individual, no question about that. He, he sure is. He's a great guy uh, and a great mentor of mine. And uh, I, I really credit him as one of the individuals as, as turning me into the land surveying profession versus uh, the uh, forestry profession. Well, you know, he, we have him as a neighbor now. That's right. Yeah, he recently <laughs> moved from, from yeah. New Hampshire down there to uh, Maryland and yeah, I think he's in Columbia, I believe, which is not all that far from from the office here. So his, his daughter is is living in down that area. So uh, right. he retired this this past year from UNH. He headed that direction. So we will probably be uh, throwing those those leads out, trying to reel him in to bring him over here closer to the office more often. <laughs> uh, I hope so. <laughs> to 
to help us get things done. But, uh, but you know, going back to that, I, I think those kind of situations, uh, and certainly in my own experience, that's been the case too, and I think it is with most people, regardless of what profession we go in, when we have people of that quality who get us going in whatever path we're going to take, um, it, it's just a blessing to have somebody like that. Well, it sure is. You know, I was lucky that uh, we, our paths just happened across. Absolutely. Well, we are basically 30 seconds away from our, our first break, so I don't want to get into questions that will take longer to ask than uh, 30 seconds. <laughs> so what we'll do when we come back, we'll talk a bit more about uh, your your perspectives on the organization and uh, where we're heading. I know we had asked some questions of each of the candidates. Maybe we can get into those. <coughs> Excuse sure. me. I thought I could hold that cough to the end of the section, but, but I wasn't able to do so. But we can get into those and talk a bit, and then we'll uh, want to cover more about NSPS and your, your ideas for where it's going forward. So let's go take that first break, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Got a Shonsted locator you're no longer using? Want to help a young surveying student? Donate it to an NSPS-recognized surveyor education program by shipping it, at no cost to you, to Shonsted. The factory will refurbish it to like new condition and send it on to a deserving institution. Pass your locator down the line and build on your surveyor legacy. Go to www.shonstead.com slash NSPS for details. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. This is Skip Coriel host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Mark, before we went to break and we were talking about your business, you were talking about some of the things that, that you guys are doing. And I noticed in the information you sent me that you got involved in, in some bathymetry and, uh, of course, expert witness. That I was just curious about the bathymetric work. We've got a contract uh, well, indirectly with New Hampshire Fishing Game through a, another engineering firm uh, the New Hampshire Fishing Game has a program where they have to upgrade and update 
or construct new boat launches uh, throughout the state of New Hampshire. So every lake and pond uh, in the state has public access. And so through this program, we're doing the survey work, and you know, it involves topographic survey, sometimes a boundary survey, but then we're doing the bathymetry in and around you know, the, the lake bed or pond bed or, or river bed, um, if it needs to be dredged, uh, how they're going to construct the, uh, the ramps and such. So it's, it's kind of fun work. Um, we've been kind of uh, very simplistic about it, essentially. Uh, in some cases, we, we take a, a steady rod with a mini prison on the top of it, and the guys or in a kayak, or they might be in waders, or depending on the time of year, if it's, if it's swimming weather, they might just go out there and, uh, in their swimming trunks and, and we shoot the bottom. Um, other projects we've been involved in uh, relate to uh, uh, sewer discharge pipes uh, and uh, areas that may need dredging for uh, uh, some of the rivers here uh, in the Concord area. So. Is that that type of work typical for for surveyors in in your area, or is that sort of a specialty that you kind of got into? I think it's more of a specialty that that we got into. Kurt, we have been called on numerous occasions to perform this type of work. Uh, I've had conversations with my colleagues. A lot of them don't seem to uh, to get into it. We've had you know we're looking into more sophisticated equipment to to help us so we can do deeper areas. What's nice about being up here in the Northeast, some of the stuff we can do in the winter, uh, and uh, you know, when there's ice over these lakes, and we just uh, use an ice auger, a powered ice auger, dig a hole in the ground, and you know, stick a stick a rod down through it. So it's a lot of holes in the ice, but uh, it, you know, it works. So you you have a, a built-in gauge then, because uh, obviously the ice is always the same elevation all the way across the lake, right? <laughs> you get that right. <laughs> uh, when you said talking about working in parks, that it, it was a flashback for me because um, years ago, particularly my time when I was back back in Blacksburg, we did a, a lot of work for the state parks in in Virginia, just parks all over the state, and they ranged similar to the kind of work that you guys are doing. But one of the things I found so interesting about working in those parks, oftentimes it was in off season. And it was just so peaceful to be there, <laughs> you know, away from the traffic, away from everything pretty much. But I really enjoyed yeah. doing that kind of thing. It's, I thought it was yeah. fun work to My do. first, uh, during college, I worked for the uh, Department of Resources and Economic Development here in, in Concord uh, in their survey division. Uh, we were, there was three of us that were responsible for surveying every state park and state forest in the state of New Hampshire. Now, I'm not saying that everyone needed to be surveyed, but if there was survey work needed to be done on a particular park, that's what they call. So we travel uh, throughout the state. And I uh, really enjoyed, I spent almost the entire summer uh, through Franconia Notch uh, surveying the property line between the national forest and the state forest and through there. And those of you who are not familiar with uh, Franconia Notch, it's um, it used to be where the old man of the mountain was that, that fell ten years or more ago now, and uh, it's, it's just a crevice between, a, it's a mountain pass between a, a line of mountains that kind of split New Hampshire in half. And uh, we would uh, uh, go up there, and, and back in those days, you know, we 
using a transit and uh, with a stadia rod uh, and uh, put our clothes on our back and put our uh, the instrument on our back and hike in with uh, and, and stay for three or four days because it just wasn't worth hiking out. I, I really enjoyed that type of work. Uh, and I like to tell stories to some of the guys that work here, remind them how easy they have it nowadays. <laughs> most jobs, we just drive up to, to the job site, they jump out of the van, and they're there. So. Right, yeah, I can appreciate that, the mountain work for sure. I, actually, uh, I don't remember exactly when it was that the, the old man fell, but I was fortunate enough to have been, I think it was probably at a New Hampshire Society conference, and my wife and I stayed over a couple of extra days and drove up through the state a bit, and we actually got to see it, and it wasn't long after that it fell, so that was fortuitous for us. Yeah, well, it was. It was a, a glorious uh, structure to, to, to view, and it still breaks my heart when I drive by it uh, heading up north. To go fishing or, or something and, and, and look up on the mountain there and not see his face. I noticed uh, also you, you were talking about doing expert witness testimony, and, and I was curious about being in in a New England state, of course, with all the history that's there and the, the land processes and, and how things have been put together over time. Um, I was wondering if there is, is that something that happens on a pretty regular basis? I mean, obviously things have been in place for a long time, but that's true almost everywhere. That doesn't mean you're not going to have conflicts with among people. So right. I was just curious if that was something that you found was pretty common or is it or is it a rarity? It's uh, more common than you would think. Uh, even though things have been in place for a long time, there's always going to be people that are going to dispute it. And, you know, uh, I don't have to explain this to any surveyor, but as you know, that uh, people usually have a pretty good uh, notion where they think their property line is. And where they think their property line is isn't always exactly where it is. And most people up this way don't want to take away any of their neighbor's property, but they don't want to give up an inch of their own. And so, yeah, we end up in court. I want to say... Uh, three to uh, half a dozen times a year. In most instances, uh, probably 50 to 75% of the time, it doesn't even make it to the court setting because it's settled prior to us getting there. And, mm-hmm. uh, but we end up investigating what was done. Most of the ones I have been involved with, usually it's a, a site that was surveyed by one surveyor on one side and another surveyor on the other, and they don't agree. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they want somebody to come in and say, well, this is what my opinion is. And, and of course, the other side has uh, another surveyor giving maybe a conflicting opinion, maybe uh, uh, maybe a complimenting uh, opinion. I had one case uh, that was settled just recently where they called me in to look at a line that another survey company had done, and it had shown that a building that was built by the the folks that were hired by me was slightly over the property line and they wanted to uh, disprove that line and, and I looked at it and uh, went through the research that was done, went through the field notes, did a little bit of uh, field work on our own here and, and we agreed with the with the other surveyor. So um, they chose to, to settle out of court. Yeah, those things are always interesting to do and I... 
I suppose there are folks who probably go through an entire surveying career and never really get into those kind of situations. Um, but they, they certainly uh, yeah, are. You're exactly right. And there's, um, there's guys, uh, uh, Don Wilson, up in our area here, uh, that's one of his fortes, and he does a lot of expert witness. Um, so there's guys that, that do quite a bit of it. But you're exactly right. There's got some guys out there that probably will never do it in their career and maybe don't want the, the stress of having to go to court and, and testify. I mean, I've been there several times, and, and every time I go, it's it's still stressful. Oh, yeah. I've, I've tried a number of times to talk Don into coming on the show with me. I haven't been successful yet, but I'll keep trying. But you know, you, one of the things about where you where you are living and where you live, and I mentioned this earlier, and of course, all of us on the East Coast kind of share these kind of, these these different experiences with regard to being the old side of the country, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, or at least we think of it as the old side of the country because of the European heritage. Although, and, and I'll phrase it this way: somebody asked me once who who was the first surveyor in the country, and of course, I always talk about. Uh, um, Captain John Smith here in Virginia, but uh, a lot of my friends from out in the West remind me that there were more than likely some Spanish surveyors out in that area before uh, the uh, the European the uh, the English came. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but but we do look at those things. I, I know you know Trisha in the office. Uh, her one of her sons is, plays hockey on a traveling team, and they were up in your area a while back. And she was she came back talking about she'd gone over to the Nashua area and up around Concord and. She was uh, remarking about how many references there were on uh, in some of the places they went about surveying and surveyors from back in that in true. That time. Yeah, sure, it's true. Let's see. Oh, one other thing I was going to mention before we do get to the to the things we were going to talk about in terms of NSPS policies and that kind of thing. Um, one thing you didn't mention was that you were actually the chairman of the Electronic Voting Committee and. Uh, I think have that that work of that committee actually has made a big difference in in the participation we get in our elections now, and uh, so that that was a, a good job you guys did in setting that up. And we'll be reminding people here really soon in the newsletter this week, as a matter of fact, that 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 uh, voting is going to start very soon. It's going to start December the first, and and I think it runs I want to say through the fifteenth, but it might be a little bit later than that, but. That was quite a change for us, and, and I don't know if that was a big argument or if everybody just said, yeah, that's a cool thing to do. You know, we reviewed a number of sites, and I think we actually, or I actually talked to a, some other organizations that has electronic voting, and everybody said it's a no-brainer. And the committee, I think, as a whole agreed that it was a no-brainer. And even when we looked at uh, the cost of it versus the cost of mailing out paper ballots and getting them back and tallying them. It was just such a cost-saving for the organization that it it only made sense to do it. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I can attest to the to the whole part about this, the cost savings and just in tabulation and and pulling everything together. Uh, and also, I think it's, it's a better way to get information about the candidates out in front of the, the membership because it's just really easy for them to see. It doesn't come. They have something they have to open in the mail and 
and shuffle through a bunch of uh, paper resumes or whatever. It's just uh, all right there in front of them, and it's been a great thing for us. And as you know, we're we're looking now at uh, even putting one of our our bylaws initiatives on the one where we're talking about the uh, the four year term for the vice president. Right, that's um, a great idea. Going to put it in the in the electronic voting this year and. Uh, oftentimes we do those things at the general membership meeting, and the bylaws actually call for it, but it also gives the option to send it out to membership, and it's just easier easier now to do than it was in the past. So I'm really looking forward to us to being able to do that and, and do more of those kind of things to get the membership involved. So we're headed off to break here in a few seconds, so when we come back, maybe we'll pick up on that a little bit before we go on. We'll be right okay, back. Very good. Got a Shonstead locator you're no longer using? Want to help a young surveying student? Donate it to an NSPS-recognized surveyor education program by shipping it, at no cost to you, to Shonstead. The factory will refurbish it to like new condition and send it on to a deserving institution. Pass your locator down the line and build on your surveyor legacy. Go to www.shonstead.com slash NSPS for details. This is Skip Coriel host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next-generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. We are back with Mark Sargent, candidate for vice president of NSPS, along with Lisa Van Horn and Henry Coulomb. And we were scheduled to have Carl Cedabaca as a candidate. Carl couldn't join us, so our three candidates are going to be Lisa, Henry, and Mark. And, Mark, one of the things that we did in preparation, we were talking about the ballots a few moments ago, um, and getting information in front of people and with our electronic system now we're able to I think provide better access to um, information that that our candidates uh, have to share uh, and one of the things we did we, we posed some questions to the to the candidates to to get their perspectives and I talked with Lisa and Henry about that when they were on the show and and one of the questions was your perspective on the current status of NSPS as the national representative of the surveying profession overall so maybe you can tell our audience your thoughts about sure. that. Um, I think NSPS is a great representative uh, for the land surveyors throughout the, the country. Um, I really think 
that NSPS needs to be an advocate for our profession and us as individual land surveyors. As individual land surveyors, you know, it's our responsibility to watch out for our clients, look out for the best interest of our clients, of the land, and, and to make sure that all the laws are followed. But I think NSPS, their role is to make sure that all their members can prosper. Yeah, and I think they've done a, a great job in that and seeking uh, different markets for us and helping us uh, on a legislative level uh, that, that uh, create those markets. That's one of the things that I think probably is uppermost in, in our mind now. When I say our, I mean the ones of us in the profession. Maybe more so than, than ever before, although I suppose there's always been some of that going on, but with technological advancements in in measurement and data gathering and those kind of things that that tend to make it appear to be a simple thing to do and a simple way to address issues, of course, not taking into account all of the underlying elements that have to be thought about. But but that is a big challenge for us, I think, in moving forward. We see those kind of things every day. And uh, I don't know if we mentioned this on the last show. I know I've talked about it before. And you, have you seen the thing that has been put out by a company called Hero X? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah where the, they're the Alta Challenge. For, yeah, the Alta Challenge. Um, and, and that's just one, one example. But it's certainly indicative of what you're saying, where um, a, as a profession and as a, an organization, um, it, it is important that that we have sort of a, a centralized way to address those issues on a broader scale. But it seems to me, and, and having been doing this for quite a while, I think one of the strengths of an organization like NSPS and is is the folks like you who come and participate at the national level from the states, and then through that relationship over time we've been able to create this joint membership program with our state societies and all of those things tend to strengthen what you were talking about I think I think you're exactly right as you had mentioned earlier there's a constant creep upon our profession from from others um, just a few years ago we used to do accident surveys and now if you're watching the, the news at, at, on the evening and you see an accident, you see a, a, a couple of police officers with a total station and a, and a, and a, 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 a prison staff walking around doing the work that we should be doing. And, and I always wondered to myself, you know, if that ever gets to court on uh, some kind of civil matter, uh, is there a challenge that the other side can make as to the accuracy of those measurements by these unqualified individuals? I think part of the problem is you have these salesmen with, uh, through the survey uh, with survey equipment that are you know, used to sell it just exclusively to us. Now we're selling it to contractors and municipalities and what have you. And, and sure, you can teach almost anybody to, to run an instrument, but it's putting, you know, knowing what to do with it, the quality of the measurements, uh, repetitive measurements, and, and making sure that the data that you're collecting is accurate. I don't think that is something that is taught by those uh, those salesmen. 
another uh, venue that, that used to be a, a big staple of ours was construction layout. And that, at least in this region, has fallen by the wayside given now that, again, the, uh, these contractors have either their own total station or their robotic instrument or they, they have GPS and, and are doing all uh, their own measurements. Now, I, I'll give you an example. We uh, uh, did some survey work on a, a car dealership or a, a proposed car dealership here in Concord. And when it came time to do the construction layout, I got a call from the uh, contractor saying, I'm trying to set my uh, GPS unit up over your benchmark, and I can't figure this out. Well, we had set a benchmark, a vertical benchmark, on top of a, a light post, you know, with just a scratch mark. Uh, indicating, you know, on that flat surface with no definitive drill hole or anything. And this guy was trying to set up his GPS over this unit to, to do all his layout from. I uh, just had no concept that, you know, you want, you know, a stable control point that's on the ground that you know, was established as a horizontal and vertical control point, not just a vertical control point. Yeah, those things do happen. And I, I don't have a... a as much information as, as I would like to have, or, or maybe it's just that it isn't out there. Um, with regard to the the issues you mentioned earlier in terms of challenges, so so let's say something happens, whether it's in construction or whether it's in an accident site, and a, a report is provided on that data. And like you, I was one of those people who did a lot of accident sites in my time. Actually, I did them so long ago, we were doing them with an alidade and a plane table. <laughs> but uh, but gathering the data and presenting it and then having a conversation about what it really means, um, I, I don't know if you've heard of incidents of, of where that has become a problem in, in any cases or not, or if people just accept it as, well, somebody did it with this equipment, so it must be right. I, I think the latter is the case. It's just that... You know, it's done with this magic box, uh, and it's got to be the right answer. I think if somebody put a bug in an attorney's ear saying, you know, maybe you should challenge these, these measurements or come up with your own, um, maybe something would come of it. But I, I, I have not heard of anything being challenged, Kurt. Yeah, I haven't either. And But then again, I'm not involved with it every day the way, you know, folks are who are uh, out practicing on a full-time basis, so I just was curious if you'd seen that. You know, the other thing that, that comes up is is the whole educational system and how education for surveyors is or should be or shouldn't be. It's been an ongoing discussion now forever, it seems, or at least for the last, um, let me think back what year it is. I'm thinking probably 40 years or close to 40 years um, when we got to the point, for for whatever reason, they, we got to the point where it was deemed necessary that surveyors have higher level, levels of education in order to do their job correctly. Um, and, and I've always been one who believes that education is a great thing, but alone it doesn't make a professional. Um, and, and confusing those two things, I think, can get in the way sometimes. Um, but it's it's just... We are now to the point where, due to age of the surveyor that we talk about all the time, there's a big discussion now about where are, is the next generation coming from? Do we have enough? And people have varying opinions about this. We did a, a poll recently. I don't know if you saw that thing. 
we ask probably 10 questions or so about um, the dynamics of the surveying profession. And uh, we had a few people look at that as though um, we were crying wolf or something because we said we're running out of surveyors. And that really wasn't the purpose of the poll. The purpose was just to get different perspectives that people had um, about that. But uh, it's it's just interesting, and, and I don't know where you lie. I mean, I know you obviously have a college background, and that's been great great for you. Um, I, my fear is that there may come a time when people will say, well, you don't really need any of that anymore because you got all this equipment that's available and that kind of thing. Yeah, and and I agree. I I think that that may may happen, um, but some sort of education, higher education beyond high school, is definitely needed. It not only it makes you uh, more technically proficient, but it also gives you that uh, that rounding that that makes you become a professional. And, and you know, you don't learn from books to be be a professional. You learn from experience. One of the biggest problems we have here in our area is just finding technicians. Uh, we see ads constantly in our uh, newsletter, somebody looking for a, a party chief or a rod man or what have you or a CAD operator and, and talking with my colleagues around here. They're just not finding anything. You see the the same ad being run every month for you know the last eight months. So obviously nobody's responding to that ad. Now, yeah, I, I think we're seeing that partially because when the economic downturn came and a lot of the technician-level folks were were let go because they didn't have a lot of work, uh, unlike in previous times, a lot of them just aren't coming back. And, and I don't know if any of that has to do with the fact that in some cases they realize there's nowhere else to go because they're not ever going to get the licensure, or if they're just tired of the ups and downs that can occur. It could be both. I have a guy that works for me that uh, he has, uh, he's a great party chief. Uh, he has a college education and uh, all he ever wants to be is a party chief. He has no desire whatsoever to, to come inside. And so there are individuals out there uh, that that you know not necessarily have to move up the chain and, and Become the uh, licensed or become the boss at, at some point. Uh, we need those individuals. Oh, I agree. I've had folks like that working for me over time too, and and there was nothing wrong with their career path. They chose where they wanted that path to be, and they were completely happy with it. And they were extremely exactly. good at doing it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And interesting thing, though, I saw Kurt. Uh, I belong, or I. I'm on the steering committee for the National Federation of Independent Businesses here in New Hampshire. It's a national, obviously, organization, but I'm on the New Hampshire steering committee. And you know, being the election cycle, we were uh, doing our uh, uh, promoting our our candidates that we wanted to see uh, elected to office, and we held uh, a candidates forum at this uh, place down in Nashua, New Hampshire. And this business offered. Um, Oh, they did uh, home entertainment system installations and and home security installations. We're going to have to go to break, Mark. I'm sorry. Let's okay. pick up on this when we come back. We've right. got a few seconds here, and then we'll come back and do our last segment. I want to hear more about this when we get back. Attention, surveyors. Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next-generation magnetic locator. 
The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Shonsted products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.shonsted.com. Shonsted, the best just got better. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Got a Shonstead locator you're no longer using? Want to help a young surveying student? Donate it to an NSPS recognized surveyor education program by shipping it at no cost to you to Shonstead. The factory will refurbish it to like new condition and send it on to a deserving institution. Pass your locator down the line and build on your surveyor legacy. Go to www.shonstead.com slash NSPS for details. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Back for our last segment today. Mark Sargent, the candidate for NSPS Vice President. Mark, before break, you were talking about, a, I think you said it was an in the business, uh, independent business council or group? Yes, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, which I uh, am a member of, and I, probably a lot of surveyors uh, out there are. Uh, and as I was saying, I, I sit on the steering committee uh, for the New Hampshire organization and um, was recently down at a uh, an event where we're promoting one of our candidates uh, uh, for, for governor of New Hampshire. And this event was held at this uh, company that installs home entertainment and security systems. And uh, they have a school that they put on right there um, for these tech, you know, for their technicians. And not only do they train technicians for their own business, but they train, train technicians that can be hired you know, essentially any place in the country. I get talking to the owner of, of the business, and he was explaining to me that they ran into the problem where they just could not find technicians to hire. There just wasn't anybody out there. And so they came up with this idea of developing their own school, which they did. And I think it's a you know a nine- or ten-week course of study, um, both classroom and, and, and lab. And, uh, and I guess my point is, you know, I, I got thinking, now, wouldn't it be great if on a regional basis we could promote something like that for, for land surveyors just on the technical end of it um, where we could train somebody to, to use GPS or total station or data collector, somebody that, you know, not necessarily wants to be licensed, but maybe someday in the future could be licensed, but at least this would give them a, a starting point and, and it would provide uh, a much-needed individuals that we need to, to, to run our businesses with. So, you know, 
know, it's something I've been mulling around. Um, be a lot of work to get there, but maybe at some point NSP is, uh, we can discuss that. Yeah, maybe something we could uh, dovetail in with our CST program, perhaps. Right, exactly. exactly. But, yeah, speaking but of we do need training. Pardon me? We do need to provide training for, for individuals. To, oh, yeah. As a profession, we definitely do. I, I would agree with that. No question. I was, I was looking in the, the uh, newsletter for the New Hampshire Society um, about the recent, recent construction career days event. Um, yes, that's that, a very good that, program that, that we have done. And that's something you do, I guess, annually. It is, yeah. It's it's put on um, by uh, oh, I forget the name of the organization. It's not put on by us, but we are asked to participate in it, uh, and we actively participate in it. And, and we attract a lot of the it's high school students uh, mm-hmm. that might lean more towards a technical profession versus becoming a licensed individual. And you know we. Bring uh, total station robotics and GPS equipment. Uh, let the guys run through it, and uh, it's usually a, a pretty good attraction. We uh, generate uh, a good crew that kind of hang out and, and see the the neat things that we have as surveyors. Yeah, the pictures that were in the article reminded me a lot of um, uh, the Boy Scouts jamborees. <laughs> it's almost like that, almost like that, but it's uh, it's only a one day event. So yeah. The only difference is I see some young ladies in this group. There are not too many of those in the Boy Scouts. So, so, but, that, yeah. you know, that's another thing that, um, speaking of that poll we did recently, another thing that that our organization and our profession needs to, to think about, I think, is trying to find ways to get more more women involved in the organization and, and into the profession. We sure do. You know, I uh, have had a number of women working here and, and um had extreme, extremely good luck with with, with all my employees. Um, I don't recall ever having a bad apple, but I think I was one of the first firms in the state of New Hampshire to have a, uh, a total female field crew, um, and uh, sometimes they'd run circles around the other guys. In my experience in, in working with women, whether working for them or them working under my, uh, for lack of a better term, supervision, they are really good at making about sh- making sure the job gets done one way or the other. Exactly. Either going to do it or make sure somebody gets it done. Yep. And and that's an important element in in everything we do. So what exactly. you know, looking ahead though for the for, for NFPS and where we're going, we've we've got what we think is a pretty strong government affairs effort, uh, which is not only just dealing with politicians, but it deals with everything in government, mostly federal for us, but state when states want us to be and. You got any thoughts about that? How do we? How do is what? What's the steps moving ahead for NSPS to enhance our capabilities there, as well as um, uh, among other professionals and the general public? Well, I think just our constant review of legislation that's proposed. We have a, a great lobbyist uh, working our behalf, and uh, I think if they keep doing the job that they are doing, we shouldn't have any issues. Uh, Pat Smith runs a great committee here in our government affairs. Uh, I, I typically sit down and listen um, whenever we, we get together as a group, and it's very informative, and uh, it's almost hard to believe all the things that uh, that committee gets accomplished uh, during the uh, each six-month period. But, again, it's just a matter of watching out uh, and trying to prevent this 
creep, as I call it, on our profession. Uh, here in New Hampshire, you know, we engineers can do what they call engineering surveys, which essentially is a topographic survey. Well, architects are now being allowed to, to do topographic surveys, and landscape architects are being allowed to do topographic surveys. And so uh, it, it's one of those things where we've just got to keep constantly vigilant on making sure that we protect our profession and protect our members. And and in a bigger sense, protect the public. That That is, is the reason we have the license to begin with. <laughs> you're exactly right. And as I alluded to earlier, it's, it's my duty and, and other surveyors' duty uh, as licensed individuals to protect the public. Um, it's the, in my opinion, NSPS's duty to protect its members. And, you know, part of that protecting their members is also protecting the public, but I, I think first and foremost uh, is our membership. You know, one of the things I think we really need to be working on and, and and I know this is important to a lot of folks, including all the people who are in, in this race for vice president, is the thing you talked about earlier in terms of our, our, our capabilities and our successes and the things we do where it relates to, to government actions uh, with our, our lobbyist folks. And, and again, that doesn't necessarily have to be national. It can be government at any level. But to look at the things we do with with the meager funds that we're able to pull together to support that effort, um, and you know through our our, uh, our our fund that we put together, uh, man, if we could just get get that bigger, think of all the things we, how much more influence we could have because whether you like it or not, it's hard to have the impact you need without without adequate funding. Yeah, you're exactly right. Money, uh, unfortunately, makes the world go round. And- we could get uh, more people to participate in the pack, and uh, I think there's a lot more things we could do. Yeah, and and you know, in the pack for sure, and even even to be part of the team, so to speak, mm-hmm. that was one of the things I thought was so great about the joint membership program was it gave us so many other people out there who could be resources because of their connections and help to uh, work on behalf of the profession as a member of a team rather than all of us kind of just being individuals. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, within our individual organizations, there's always going to be somebody that knows somebody uh, in in the legislature, be it on the the state or the uh, federal level. Absolutely. That's very sure. So let me see. I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting. So... If there's something else on your mind, go ahead and tell me what it is, because I, I know there's something, something else I should be asking you here. Because um, you talked about the responsibility of the association. Those were the three questions, your perspective on our status and the responsibility of NSPS, and then our vision for the future. And um, I will ask you this question. We are currently at about 17,000 members, which if you look at the total number of people who are licensed as surveyors in the country, that's about half of the licensees. I, I struggle, and I'm sure we all do all the time, about how are we going to reach those other folks and and have them be a part of what we're trying to do here and be part of that team that can help us achieve our goals. You know, that that's really tough. And we have the same issue here in New Hampshire um, where I think we 
capture probably half of, and I don't want to use capture as a negative thing, but half the licensed land surveyors in the state of New Hampshire uh, belong to the New Hampshire Land Surveyors Association. The other half don't for, for whatever reason. Uh, some of those, I think, are dual licensureship where they're both uh, a, a land surveyor and an engineer and maybe consider themselves an engineer versus a land surveyor and therefore may participate in you know, the uh, civil engineering associations versus the New Hampshire uh, Land Surveyors Association. But I, it's always been my contention that as a professional, you owe a duty to your profession to support it. And what better way to support your profession by belonging to an organization, you know, both on the state and the federal level, and protecting that profession and helping that profession grow. And how we get there, you know, I wish I, I had the answer. I don't, but I'm, you know, I know... Uh, there's a lot of great minds over at NSPS uh, when you get all the states together that I, I think eventually we're going to come up with a great idea. Certainly the 100% membership program uh, has helped a lot and uh, makes it so we can do a lot more things than we used to be able to. Uh, when I first started with NSPS back in 99 or so, I, I think there was 4,000 members and it actually decreased to something less than that, maybe 2,500 before it, it started picking up again with the 100% membership program. Yeah, that's very true. And, and your best ambassadors, I think, are, are those members. So the more of them you have, because they're going to have connections with other people that that maybe we aren't reaching some other way. So I, I agree with you on that. That does make, make an awful lot of sense that um, as we continue to grow, that gives us more opportunities for people to um, have interaction with their fellow surveyors in their area, wherever they happen to be, and right. and I I think just trying to get the message across about who what we're about, you know, so many people say, well, you know, why do you even exist? And and it's it's troubling <laughs> when people ask that question because in in my mind, I'm sure in your mind, it's pretty obvious. It, you're exactly right, and uh, it, it is troubling when when they ask, you know, why do we why do we exist? But they do that both on the state and the federal level. But again, yeah. you, know, I, I, you know, I want to emphasize that I, I think it, as professionals, we do, we owe uh, to our profession something, and this is a way to give back to your profession. It is a way you make your well, living. And, believe it or not, it's time to go. So I appreciate you being with me today, Mark, and sure, uh, covering the whole hour by yourself. But thanks again. I appreciate it, and good luck in the election. Well, thank you very much. It was good talking with you. Take care. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.